0: Hi, I'm Shari Tishman.
1: And I'm Dave Perkins.
0: Welcome back to our podcast series, Thinkability. If you've been listening along, you might remember that we switched things up in the last episode. Dave interviewed me on a topic close to my heart, the theme of slow looking. And today I'm going to return the favor and interview Dave on a topic that's close to his heart, the theme of understanding. As some of you may know, Dave has thought and written a lot about this topic, and his particular focus today is on understanding and its relationship to thinking. He's calling the theme, Understanding in Action. So I'm curious to ask Dave three big questions. First, what is understanding anyways? What does it really mean? Second, how can we tell when we understand something? Is it always so obvious? And finally, the education question, how can we foster understanding in ourselves? and others. Okay, so let's get going and start with the first question. What is understanding? But (laughs) before we even get started, I can't help pointing out that it's a curious topic to unpack, because maybe unlike some of the other things we've talked about in this podcast series, like metacognition or slow looking, we all seem to intuitively know what understanding is. You know, if I ask you, if you understand something, you immediately know what I mean we use the term frequently and easily we talk about other people understanding things ourselves understanding things and it's not a topic we puzzle over very much but that said at the same time it's often put forth as the big goal of learning we learn things in order to understand them we try to teach others others so that they can gain understanding so even if we think we know what understanding is intuitively Given how prominent it is in our everyday conversation and in the big aspirations of teaching and learning, it really is worth standing back and asking, you know, what is understanding anyway? So, Dave,
1: what do you think? Well, I think that's a great question, and let me just jump right in with an idea about it. We might understand understanding this way. When we understand something, it's being able to think with what we know about it. So there's an idea. What do you think of that, Shari? Right
0: away, I see thinking in the picture, and I see how that makes sense, how that that way of framing it really gets at what we really mean by understanding an everyday situation. You know, an example that comes to mind for me is the topic of simple machines. You know, you might be able to give a definition of simple machines, like they're mechanical devices that change the magnitude or the direction of a force, like a wedge or a lever or a screw. But if you can't use the concept of simple machines to explain something, you know, for example, how a seesaw works or a doorstop works, we wouldn't say you understand the topic. So it really thinking with what you know really is prominent there. And you know, for a very different kind of example, if you're learning history and you learn a bunch of events and names and dates and facts, but you aren't able to use those facts to imagine the perspectives of historical actors or to see causal threads between historical events, you can't really be said to have a historical understanding. So just as you say, Dave, when we speak of understanding, we have in mind being able to think with what we know. If you can't, it seems like it's just rote knowledge. So so where did this idea come from, this great idea?
1: It's been around, I hate to say so, for several decades. A number of years ago in the history of Project Zero, we had a five-year project on teaching for understanding. And a keystone of that project was this concept of understanding as something you do, of a kind of performance, something you play out, thinking with what you know. That's interesting.
0: When you say being able to think with what you know, I wonder what kind of thinking you're talking about there.
1: Just about any kind of thinking that reaches beyond only knowing information about something, explaining, finding new examples, using the knowledge to make decisions or solve problems or design or invent something.
0: Hmm, I see what you mean. And I like all those sort of kinds of thinking that you mentioned, explaining, making decisions, solving problems, and so forth. But what about less obviously thinking-oriented activities like, like jazz improvisation?
1: Jazz improvisation is a great example. Now, some people might say, well, jazz improvisation doesn't feel like thinking with what you know. Ah, but what do we mean by thinking? People probably have in mind standard school examples, like the very important basic machines you mentioned, and explaining and analyzing things with that knowledge. Jazz improvisation isn't thinking in the sense of explaining and analyzing something, but it's certainly complex and challenging cognition, a kind of thinking in a broad sense.
0: Hmm. Okay, I'm convinced. I I like that. So that, that sort of fleshes out the idea of thinking. But I wonder what kind of knowing we have in mind when we talk about thinking with what we know.
1: Very much in the same spirit. Yeah, verbal information is important, but not just verbal information. We know in lots of ways. We know through our experience, through intuition, through mental imagery. We have all sorts of ways of representing knowledge to ourselves and gathering it.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, I like this sort of definition of thinking and the way that knowledge is coming into it, but I do have a puzzle. The idea of thinking with what you know seems to take knowledge as a starting place. But how much do you need to know in order to start thinking about something? Do you really need to know a lot? What if I'm looking at a painting or reading a poem for the first time? Does that mean that I can't understand it because I don't have the knowledge yet? And actually, even further, do knowledge and understanding really need to follow in sequence? Do you have to have the knowledge first in order to build understanding, or can they develop together at the same time?
1: Well, that's a really good point. And let's not be too fussy about this. One way to make sense of all that is through the saying, which I'm sure we've all heard, building the boat as we sail it. A lot of times, that's how understanding works. We can build the knowledge as part of the process, thinking with it as we go along the way rather than having it in advance. For instance, we can start to understand the painting or the poem as we take it in and go further and further. Kind of reminds me, Shari, like slow looking was the theme for our last session.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I see exactly what you mean. And you know, Dave... I'm remembering that there's a way of picturing this, I think.
1: Yeah, here's a kind of image that's helpful. I call it the core and halo image. Imagine that you have a core of knowledge about something, but around that there's a halo of different ways you can think with that knowledge. And those ways reach well beyond just displaying the knowledge. So in the most obvious cases, the core might be information we can describe, say, about the basic machine. But the halo has things we can do with that information, like analyze a device, explain a device, and so forth. That's the halo. In a more expanded sense, the core can include experiences and intuitions and so on, and the halo can include things like, well, jazz improvisation. An expanding halo.
0: I like that image. It does make me wonder how big that halo can get, though. Can you ever completely understand something?
1: Oh, a tricky question. It's so tempting to say, I understand that completely, whatever the something is. But looking at that more carefully, clearly the halo can reach out and out and out in principle. For a quick example, let's take understanding a poem. Maybe I can interpret it that's in the halo. I can identify its expressive tactic. Then I can examine its historical context. And I might go on to compare and contrast with other related works. I could examine its linguistic context. I mean, you see, it just goes on and on. There's no end to what might be in the halo and what else we could add to the halo. But if that sounds a little bit overwhelming, the good news here is that your halo does not have to go on and on. We understand the poem or other things sufficiently for our situation. We don't have to understand everything.
0: Huh. That's a relief. And all of that makes sense as a deeper dive into what understanding means. But forgive me, I can't help asking the so what question. How is this understanding about understanding helpful? As we mentioned earlier, we all have an everyday intuitive sense of what understanding means without talking explicitly about thinking with what you know. How can this analysis really help us? How can we tell when we
1: understand something? Well, what's tricky here is that intuitive understanding isn't always so on target. One interesting take on that emerged from the project I mentioned earlier. We found that students in various classrooms we worked with often identified understanding as simply knowing a lot about something. They didn't have the sense of being able to use it, think with it, apply it. They viewed understanding as mostly the core, a clear core of knowledge. What might be in that halo was just not on their mind.
0: That sounds familiar. You know, I think that's a familiar problem with education. The idea is sometimes, or at least the implicit idea is that all students need to do is sort of get the facts and get the routines, remember them. And it's not that understanding isn't important, but it gets assumed that some magic alchemy will happen. If students get facts and routines, something will coalesce in their minds and they'll just be able to use them or at least use them with a little practice. But that sort of magic coalescence doesn't really happen all the time. Just as an example, in the study of history, just knowing a set of important dates isn't going to necessarily add up to understanding the spirit of the historical times, understanding the power dynamics at play, the multiple players and perspectives and so on.
1: That really makes the point. And it reminds me of another similar thing. Sometimes we think we understand something, we have that intuition of understanding, just because it seems so familiar and comfortable. In fact, this is an area that's seen some investigation in the literature, and there's this concept called the illusion of explanatory depth. Sounds menacing, doesn't it? Here's a classic example. In one experiment, people were asked whether they understand bicycles and how they work. And, you know, most people have ridden them a lot and feel they understand them. And they say, yeah, sure, I understand how bicycles work. Okay, step two, not close to a bicycle, but just here on this table, can you sketch a bicycle and explain how the parts work together to allow you to ride it? It turns out that a lot of people quickly fall apart. What they sketch is clearly unworkable, and they're totally confused about what the chain does and what these handles do and so forth and so on. They end up saying, you know, I thought I understood how bicycles work, but now I realize I really don't.
0: I see exactly what you mean. In fact, I think I might be one of those people. I'm not sure I could really sketch it out, but I can ride. And it's true that we often do use things perfectly well without necessarily understanding them deeply, like riding a bike or or even driving a car or even being able to speak a language. So what difference does it make whether we really understand the things we use relatively successfully every
1: day? That depends on what the thing is. In practical terms, for something like a bicycle or a can opener, it doesn't matter much. But the same findings apply to things with much more importance for our understanding. Here's an example, the Affordable Care Act, casually called Obamacare. Some of this interview-based research shows that a person might be for or against the Affordable Care Act, which is kind of controversial in some quarters, and they say they understand it. Ah, but like the bicycle, when you ask them to spell out how it works, Uh Uh-oh, they find they don't have much to say. They actually don't have much granular sense of just how it works. And interestingly, that leaves them to soften their position for or against because they realize, well, you know, I really don't understand the Affordable Care Act as well as I thought. So now I'm a little hesitant about saying I'm for it or I'm against it the illusion of explanatory depth.
0: It's <laughs> a great example. I, I see what you mean. And I guess I hear you saying that our casual, everyday sense of understanding works okay some of the time, but it also sets a kind of a trap, the illusion of explanatory depth trap. It's easy to overestimate what we really understand, and sometimes in important cases. It strikes me that force of opinion is a similar pitfall. If people around us, and even ourselves, have very strong opinions about an issue, it's easy to mistake strength of opinion as depth of understanding. And I think this happens a lot in politics. People can have very strong opinions about issues that they may not understand very well, but if they're surrounded by people who have similarly strong opinions, it can kind of bolster our sense that you get it, even if you may really not.
1: Yeah, that's
0: it. So I guess we really have to ask ourselves, if we want to be sure, we have to ask ourselves the question framed as you did. How can I think with what I know about this? How can I think with what I know about Obamacare or any other issue? Can I explain it beyond just repeating a few sentences about it or a definition? Or, or can I explain it beyond stating a simple stance or an opinion? Can I do something complex with the knowledge I have? Can I solve a problem with it? Can I think of new cases Can I ask really good questions about it? Questions that use the knowledge I have to sort of shine a light on aspects of the topic that invite further understanding. Okay, well, I guess we've kind of touched on our first two questions, so this leads us to our last question. How can we intentionally, even strategically, foster understanding in ourselves and others? Suppose I want to build an understanding of something for myself, or maybe I want to help others build an understanding as a teacher, or maybe just as a friend or a colleague. What does the thinking with what you know frame say about that?
1: The perspective I've been sketching has an answer to that in three words. Build the halo. I have to go further than just bundle up some information about the topic. I have to practice explaining it, explaining other things with it using it to make decisions, using it to solve problems, to invent something, to create something, and not just repeating the standard examples that might have been in the text or in the lecture or something like that. I have to put my growing understanding into action in order to grow it.
0: Mm, this idea sort of growing or stretching out the halo makes me think that understanding is something that you do rather than something that you have or possess, which is maybe the more standard way of thinking about it. And I can see how this might apply to teaching situations too. Thinking as a teacher, you know, suppose you're teaching about, say, the water cycle. It's not enough that students have the information that the water cycle is a cycle of evaporation, condensation, and then precipitation. Knowing that isn't really enough for understanding. Students need to be able to do something with that information, maybe even at a macro scale, a micro scale, from explaining what would happen when you're doing the dishes and you put the top on top of a jar before drying it thoroughly, what might happen to the water then, to predicting what might happen to a local ecosystem if you drain a pond or dam a river. These are the kinds of things that can be thinking with what you know. And Dave, if I recall correctly, a kind of framework to support teaching for understanding in this way came out of the project that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, there's a framework. There are various details, but at the top level, we have just four big organizing ideas. Generative topic, understanding goals, understanding performances, that's the thinking with what you know part, and ongoing assessment. So just to wrap that in an example, let's take your case of the basic machines again. Levers, inclined planes, pulleys, and so on. Generative topic. Well, as a teacher, maybe I pick that. Why? Because it's so fundamental and explains so much about the everyday world we live in and how it works. And then there's understanding goals. I ask myself, what do I want us to come to understand about that? For instance, one goal might be to understand better the ordinary world around us with its devices like can openers. Another understanding goal might be understanding how basic machines appear in devices that look very fancy, like jet planes. And another understanding goal might be where in our various gadgets and so on do the basic machines not apply Where do other things provide the basis of operations? That might be three. There could be others. What about those understanding performances? Well, one might be, pick three ordinary devices around the house that we haven't talked about in class, choose your own, and explain them in terms of the basic machines. We could easily see how others could come into play, like looking for examples in sports. So those are the understanding performances and ongoing assessment. The principle there is pretty simple, not some test at the end as the entire process of assessment, but taking the pulse of progress in various ways, tracking students, increasing understanding day by day, often informally, so we can all do course corrections. So there are the biggies, generative topic, understanding goals, understanding performances, ongoing assessment.
0: They, they sound familiar to me, and it just it, it just reminds me what a powerful framework it is. All of this makes me wonder how the thinking with what you know approach speaks to today's world. As you mentioned, the original project took place a few decades ago. So what strikes you, Dave, about then versus now?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Well, one particularly important important consideration concerns the current plague of misinformation and biased information. We need to understand not only a particular idea or event or whatever, but understand how the picture might be messed up by bias, misinformation, dramatic stories that get relayed through the internet mainly because they're dramatic. In other words, we need a critical understanding rather than just an accepting understanding. For instance, in school, when the text offers Newton's laws, we don't usually try to understand the laws critically. Are they really all that valid? What are their limits? That's an interesting conversation, actually, but it's not in the foreground. But for many ideas we get from the Internet or everyday conversation these days, we might want to reach for a critical understanding rather than just an accepting understanding. That's one answer to now versus then. I'm sure there are others.
0: I'm convinced by that. I, I I surely agree that now is a good time to reach for critical understandings. You know, and I'm also thinking back to what we were saying about how being surrounded by strong opinions can mislead you into thinking you understand an issue. Thinking about the now, people often talk about how we're in an era of polarization Maybe one thing that's different now is the heightened need to be alert to whether there's a depth of understanding behind strong opinions, our own as well as others. Okay, let's stand back and try to sum up some of the ideas that we've been talking about. Just to start, we began with the question, what is understanding? And as I think back, what stands out for me is that the answer boils down really simply to this. Understanding is something you do, not that you have, And that's where understanding and action, your big theme comes in, Dave. Understanding is a matter of being able to think with what you know, not just know it.
1: And we want to add that know and think here have a very broad sense. Know includes verbal knowledge, but also knowledge from experience, images, intuitions, and so on and think includes familiar kinds of thinking like explanation and decision-making and problem solving, but also creativity and in-the-moment kinds of thinking like jazz improvisation.
0: Mm -hmm. And to go with that, we have your lovely core and halo image. You know, the idea that there's a core of knowledge and the halo around it that can expand and expand represents what you can do with that core.
1: Yeah. Then there's that second question. How can we tell whether we understand something. The big point here is that sometimes we fool ourselves. Sometimes people think understanding is just a matter of knowing something well, but it turns out that they can't do that much thinking with what they know. And sometimes we have a kind of illusion of understanding something that comes from familiarity, but if pressed, well, we can't even explain very well. The illusion of explanatory depth Really, the ultimate test is thinking with what you know, thinking well beyond the core of information you have. And that gives us all a way to check out whether we really understand something and how far we understand it.
0: Mm. And then lastly, we have the education question, the question about fostering understanding in other people as well as ourselves. And we've already said this question almost answers itself. That halo, as you say, has to be exercised by actual thinking, trying to explain, solve problems, ask good questions, make decisions, and so forth. And those sorts of thinking build the halo
1: as you go, build the boat as you sail it. And if we're teaching others, that's what we need to get students to do, that thinking with the information the information in the text, or from their experience, or wherever it comes from. Well, Shari, thanks very much for the interview on Understanding in Action. Now, folks, if you want to know more from an educational standpoint, here's a tip. Just Google Teaching for Understanding Project Zero. That's Teaching for Understanding Project Zero and that will get you to a page with various resources and articles and other notions that you can tap into. Now, finally, the big question of the day, what's next? What's next with our series of podcasts? Can you help us with that, Shari? Well, this episode wraps up the first season of Thinkability. And most
0: importantly, a really warm thanks to all of you who have listened and engaged. It's been really exciting for us. And over the last few months, we've done episodes on a bunch of topics related to thinking and learning. We started with an episode on curiosity, then talked about metacognition, intuition, thinking dispositions, slow looking, and finally today's topic, understanding. And we're going to take a short break for the summer. Well... Some are here in the Northern Hemisphere, recognizing that we have many good friends and listeners in the Southern Hemisphere for whom winter is just starting. And as we mull on our plans for the fall, we would love your feedback. So please let us know what you think about Thinkability. Let us know what you like, what you'd like to see more of, less of. Let us know anything at all. You can reach us on the usual channel, Twitter at ThinkabilityPZ, via the Substack platform where the podcast is hosted, or on any of the Project Zero website social media channels. And since we really are eager for your feedback, we'll probably reach out to you again over those channels later this summer. So stay tuned and be in touch anytime. We always love to hear from you. And thank you, all of you, again for listening. See you later, Dave. See you later, Shari.